welcome back to the Why Hockey Periodical Podcast, living up to our name after a summer vacation, unintentional. But we are back, and we're starting with Bang. Greg Wyszynski of ESPN is joining us. Wish, it's good to speak with you again. <laughs> it's good to speak with you as well. Uh, yes, giant giant fireworks, big explosions. Greg Wyszynski on a podcast. Well, <laughs> yes, oh, well, I'm glad you didn't prepare for this at all, based on our character of the week from Twitter from a couple weeks ago, which was a fun discussion, wasn't it? <laughs> well... You know, it's Twitter. I, I, I mean, a, a, another day, another dispute. <laughs> another, another, don't be the main character today on Twitter. I have to bring this up personally. Uh, as people, some of you might know, I was a huge Abba VSW fan. And I have two stories of you maybe meeting. You might not remember them, but they were great stories for me. The first of which was eight years ago, Jesus. You were speaking in a Merrill College panel at Maryland where we both went to school. And I went to the panel wearing a Panthers hat. And I, wear, and I wore it because I knew you were going to call it out. And you did. And it was hilarious. <laughs> and we spent the time after the panel talking about the future of Stephen Weiss, because that's what we did in 2013 when you talked about the Panthers. <laughs> you might not remember that, but I do. It was no, really I, I, def- I definitely remember it. I remember it distinctly because I think it's only like one of two times that Maryland has had me speak. I'm like, pretty successful, man. I don't know. Like, I mean, I, I know I ain't giving you any mo- more money than I already gave you. Maybe that's the trick. Um, but uh, no, I definitely remember that. I was very up. distinctly uh, because 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 I think you were like one of the only hockey fans, an outwardly showing hockey fans that was at that uh, that symposium. So yo, no, I definitely remember that. Oh, that one was great. That was great fun. And again, got to talk about more about Stephen Weiss than I ever did before in my life and ever since. The other one I know we will remember is uh, the uh, old MVSW draft party right before the draft in 2015 in Fort Lauderdale. And I think the story goes why hockey's uh, friend, great friend Paige, set that up was I think the story was somebody got shot outside that uh, bar like two days before we were there. <laughs> that part I don't remember. But then again, when the draft was in Florida, there's a lot I don't remember from that, that uh, time period of my life. Because let me, just, let me, let me put it this way. Uh, when you introduce a bunch of Canadians uh, to uh, South Florida uh, and uh, they have a lot of time on their hands, boy, let me tell you, uh, there's, a, there's a lot of, of extracurricular activities that go on. I think most of the people there were quite inebriated, but it was a lot of fun. I enjoyed it immensely. And <laughs> I think most people enjoyed the next day, too. Quite a day in NHL history, but I remember the night before even more. Uh, so just want to mention that. And, of course, MBSW forever. Uh, so speaking of South Florida, let's talk about the hockey team there because it is quite a weird world that we live in where I get to say they're actually possibly a Stanley Cup contender this year. And so I know what we think down in the very small Panther circles but what about the wider NHL world? What are people saying about this team? Well, I think if you take a critical look at the Atlantic Division, you would say to yourself, okay, Tampa and Toronto, you could probably cement them into playoff spots right now. I mean, Tampa being Tampa, uh, I have some concerns about them from a three-peat perspective, but those concerns I don't think necessarily will torpedo anything that they do in the regular season. And then you look at the Leafs, and all they do is succeed in the regular season. I mean, that's what they're good at. <laughs> so I, unless the goaltending situation with Morazic and Campbell is a, you know, a disaster, I imagine that they're going to uh, snag up one of those two spots at the top of the division as well. And then there's a step down to the Florida Panthers and the, and the Boston Bruins. And in Boston's case, you know, it's some changing of the guard there with Tukarask being out, of, uh, out on the outs you know, with the surgery and not being signed. Linus Olmark, Jeremy uh, Slamman come in, and what is that going to look like? Um, you know, they're a little bit older. In some cases, they're going to be very good. In some cases, they're a little bit specious. 
But overall, you have a feeling that they're going to be a contender. And then you have the Panthers right there with them, vying for what I think will be the third spot in that division or one of the top three spots in that division. And from the outsider's perspective looking in, you know, it's, it's a very meticulously constructed team. I think that a lot of us have been pretty uh, interested in seeing some of the veteran acquisitions that Bill Vito has made. You know, Patrick Hornquist last year, bringing in Joe Thornton this year uh, to flesh out that lineup. And then obviously all eyes will be on the goaltending situation. I released my goaltender tandem rankings this week on ESPN.com. I think the Panthers, I think of the Panthers very highly. Uh, You know, Bob did some things last season that went really under the radar as far as maybe not looking as dominant as he, as he was, but definitely not looking like the guy who had the weight of his contract on his shoulders the entirety of his first season in, in, in South Florida. And then yeah, I'm a huge Spencer Knight fan. I just think Spencer Knight is fantastic. Um, would have played him in the playoffs last year. Uh, and, uh, and I think he's just going to be an absolute stud this season for them. So, uh, you know, from that perspective, I, I like him a little bit better than most, uh, which means that I probably like the Panthers a little bit better than most. See, my, I have no concern. Well, I have concerns about Sergei Bobrovsky, but you're right that he did play a little better last year than I think people were giving him credit for because they only remember game one and game four against the Lightning, and that was it. Uh, and I remember him playing better, but I also remember watching him have bad games and then the Panthers just simply outscoring his bad games. And this is a regular season thing, but I think if you're asking me about some teams in the league that could outscore their own goaltending problems, the Panthers might be one of them because there are going to be nights this year, I think, where they could score eight without putting out much effort. And it's kind of crazy to me how deep they are at four, not just the veterans, but everybody they added, they get better. And the, the best part is they don't have to play Huberto and Barkov together now. It was forced upon them for years, and now they don't. And I think that depth is why, is why I think that this team, I'm so cynical because it's been 26 years of not winning things, but this, this actually could be it, right? Well, like, it feels it, like I it. mean, the, the, the potential is there. And, and, I, and I, I mean, you know, they, they've acquired everyone named Sam in the league outside of like Sam Girard with the Avalanche. I wish so that's they acquired Sam thing. Girard. How great would that be? <laughs> oh, sure. It would definitely help. Um, so you're right. I mean, the offensive depth that they showed last season, it's only gotten better in the off season. Um, but I don't, I don't I, I, trying to outscore your goaltending problems is not a recipe for success in the national hockey league. No, <laughs> you know? I'm not saying like, they can like, do it often, but if they have to, that's the thing. I mean, but again, like, you know, when you have the ability to roll out Ekblad and Uyghur, you know, for 25 minutes in a game together, I mean, that helps. And I think the defensive depth is pretty good. I'm not in love with it, but I think it's pretty good. Um, but you know, it, total team defense is the name of the game, and the and the and the good news is that the Panthers are also blessed with a coach that has shown a propensity for getting his team on the same page and getting them to play a, a good defensive system in front of what what in the past for the the Blackhawks has been sometimes average goaltending when he was in Chicago. Um, so yeah, there's a lot to like here. Uh, I, 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 I but I, but I think at the end of the day, um, you want to have the ability to outscore your opponent, but also when it counts, uh, limit their, their opportunities in ways that maybe the, the Panthers didn't necessarily show uh, they could do all that well last year at, at times. Oh, at times, yeah. But I have to give them credit for going down swinging the way they did against Tampa because I, I was expecting at some point they're going to have to change the way they play just a little bit, and they never did. I admired it immensely. They had well, a way to what's, play. What's interesting is, What's interesting about that Tampa series, I talked to a a source down in Tampa for a story the other day, and uh, he was telling me that, like, you know, 
the Lightning were feeling pretty good about life entering the playoffs, but then it was that it was that first game against the Panthers, which I mean goes down as maybe one of my favorite ones. You know, it was the best game in the playoffs by far, and it never got better yeah. than that. Yeah, I think you might be right. But they said that, like, <laughs> this guy was telling me, you know, we got in that game, and then all of a sudden it's like it thrown, it thrown in the deep end of the pool. Like, we were ready to roll after that. And we, it's almost like the Panthers reawakened something inside the Lightning in that first game that, that kind of propelled them for the rest of the playoffs. Uh, so, you know, if you want to take credit for their cup, you, I guess you could. <laughs> well, I, I've always joked that Vinny Viola would be rooting for the Lightning to win the cup because he admires Jeff Vinnick quite a bit. But that's neither here nor there. I still think that if you're an NHL fan, just in general, not just following the Panthers, you want the Panthers and Lightning playing in the playoffs again. If the Panthers can somehow deny the Lightning a three-peat, the rivalry goes into the stratosphere. And that's what everybody should want. Oh, for sure. And, and we got a taste of that last year. And... And obviously, I mean, I, you, you probably know better than I, but, you know, how many times have, have we had a situation where both teams were this close to equal footing? I mean, maybe never. I mean, if you're going by the Panthers. Uh, they made the playoffs uh, uh, play, 96 playoff together in 2016 together, and they should have played yeah. in 2016 if not it. for John Tavares. But, you know, that was it. Right. And it somehow, it, it somehow now feels like they're almost, they're not on equal footing, but they're getting close. And that's, that's legitimately all I could ask for. And I, I just have to ask the question, yeah. lighting, if by some miracle they three-peat, I hope they don't, but obviously, but if they <laughs> do, what I kind think, of talk I are we going to have about that team if they do it? About the lightning? Yeah, because about I'm Tampa just thinking and about their place? Well, here's the thing about them three-peating, because I've, I've not made any ticks yet, but I'm seriously considering the possibility of this happening. Um, the main reason it, it I think it won't happen or, or might not happen is, is because I don't know how they replace the Coleman Gord Goudreau line, which to me, if you're like stacking up the reasons they won two straight, that line is maybe like fourth behind uh, uh, Vasilevsky, Braden Point, and, and Hedman. Um, I think, I think in some ways they were more valuable to those runs than Kucherov was. And that guy just like was the MVP <laughs> or, or, or an MVP for them. Um, so I, I don't, I'm not quite sure how they replace that line, but here's what would be interesting if they did three Pete is that this would be the first season in the, in the, in that dynastic run where they played 82 games. And it's one of the reasons why I give them a puncher's chance in winning three in a row, because they haven't had to go through the grind of a full regular season in either of the last two years. But at the same time, it's probably also going to be the thing that people, and specifically like Oilers and Canadians and Islanders fans, um, would try to affix an asterisk to and say, yeah, this was an, a hell of a run, but I mean, it came during some pretty peculiar times for the league. It came through peculiar times, but they did it in the salary cap era with a flat cap, which yep, we, no. we thought that winning two in a row in the cap era was going to be incredibly difficult, and they might do it three times. Right, I, I, I think the cap era is, all, is above <laughs> all equals. I mean, yeah, I, I don't care about the whatever it was, $18 million over. It didn't matter to me. If they were allowed to do it, they could do it, and you got to be better than them. That should be the mindset. Well, don't the complain. thing is, I mean, like, if, if there was anything illegal about it or if there was anything that was beyond the pale about it, they, they would have been dinged for it. And the NHL, if the, the NHL gives you the clean bill of health on the way you've managed your cap, then, I mean, there's nothing else any of us can say about it. I mean, the system's the system. Um, and quite frankly, like, it's the system that I want. I mean, I've, I've never been a salary cap guy. I've always been a luxury tax guy. 
I think that, uh, you know, teams being penalized for how well they draft and, and construct their teams and, and all that stuff is, you know, antithetical to what we should want from this, from this league. So the idea that they went above and beyond the salary cap with a team that they meticulously constructed, I'm all for it. Like, it's, it's kind of the thing that I want. And, and to be in a position now where you have a team on the precipice of a three-peat, like, that's great for hockey. That's amazing for hockey. You, you, I understand the idea that some people want a, you know, a carousel of different teams winning the cup every season. But, you know, sports thrive on a couple of things. One is gambling, which we're getting better at. And the other is having teams you give a damn about. And, and usually they're teams that are really, really good. Like, I'm old enough to remember when nobody gave a crap about the Patriots, right? <laughs> but then they, they started winning Super Bowls left and right. And Tom Brady all of a sudden is, is challenging, like, the, the greatest quarterback records of all time. And then we all cared about him, you know? So I, I think, you know, it's always good for sports to have these dynastic teams. And the salary cap prevents it, and the Lightning have found a way around that. I root for the Jaguars. Why are we talking about the Patriots here? They've lost 19 straight games. I feel for you, too, as a Jets <laughs> fan, because I get it in my family, man. It's, it's, yeah, we can I mean, talk about that forever, but... Well, I mean, we'll talk about it for a minute. You know, you're giving me all this grief as a Jaguars fan, but like, <laughs> you draft, you drafted the right quarterback. They did draft the right quarterback. What's, what's hey. been, what's been the first nascent uh, uh, games of, of Zach Wilson? But again, I've got uh, nothing for love for the Jaguars because were it not for the Jaguars, uh, we probably wouldn't have AEW wrestling, which is one of my favorite things in life right correct. now. You are absolutely correct. You are absolutely correct. I, congratulations. It is the most successful sports thing that the cons will ever run. Anyway, uh, <laughs> well, their soccer team's pretty bad, and the football team ain't doing much better. Uh, I have to mention this one off the, for my co-host, my great friend Tommy, who you will hear very soon at some point. Um, he is also following the Flyers, so I have to ask about the Metro Division, your beloved Metro Division, and help me make sense of it because I've been trying my best to put it through all of the processes I want to put it through before I start thinking about predictions. And I got nothing. One through six is such a crapshoot that I just, what separates all these teams that are, they have potential, but all of them have a potential fatal flaw. And what separates them in your mind? What separates them is defense and depth. And that's why I think the only two givens in that division are the New York Islanders and the Carolina Hurricanes. Now, the Hurricanes obviously had some upheaval in their goaltending department. They come back with Auntie Ranta and, and Freddie Anderson, but you know, they were making the playoffs with Mrazek and Reimer and, and, and Nedeljkovic and players like that. And I think that's just indicative of how good they are up front and on the blue line, even without Dougie Hamilton, that, you know, they can have what looks like average goaltending on paper and still make the playoffs because they're that good and they're that deep. And they should be better than they were last year too, uh, up front at least. Um, the other team is the New York Islanders, and, and the Islanders are maybe the only sure thing in that division because you know what a Barry Trotz team is, you know what a Barry Trotz team does, and I think the Islanders now have enough scoring on that roster where they're going to be able to win 2-1 games and 3-1 games with some consistency and, um, and make the playoffs. Uh, I, I think those are the two teams that you could cement into those spots right now. My then it gets really interesting because – oh, go ahead, sorry. sorry. No, my question about the Islanders is, is at some point we know that they will have a spell where they look terrible. That just happens every regular season for them for whatever reason. And also, they have a 13-game road trip to start the season. And I know they're going to rack it up at home when they end up playing at home, but that 13-game road trip, they could start quite a bit behind the eight ball at some point. And that's I mean, why they, I've been my worries about them. 
They could, but, I mean, it's a veteran team that plays a defensive system. And so if you're looking for a team that could sustain itself through a, a prolonged road trip to start the year, it's not one that necessarily has to feed off a home crowd. I mean, it's one that lulls you to sleep. It's one that plays within structure. I, I think they're going to be fine before they get to UBS, where, like you said, things are going to get really fun for them this year. Um, then after those two teams, you, you, you have four that are really fascinating. Uh, the Flyers and Rangers have maybe the widest breadth of success to failure, I think, this year. Um, if, if Carter Hart is Carter Hart again um, and Martin Jones isn't a, a disaster, adding Ryan Ellis to that blue line to fill the hole that, that Matt Niskanen left and they never addressed, um, plus getting maybe a little bit more interesting up front with Atkinson coming in for Voracek, I think they could be a very good team, and I think they could be a playoff team. Or they could be a disaster, and this could be Elaine Vigneault's last year there. <laughs> in the uh, Rangers you case, could see Rasmus Ristolainen and the Keith Yandel play together, and my co-host will have an aneurysm. <laughs> <laughs> On paper, they're, they're improved. Let, let's leave it at that. Uh, the Rangers are an interesting one because um, you hope that Gerard Gallant can come in and instill, uh, again, a bit of s- systematic defense and make that team play better in front of what I think is really good goaltending. But then they went out and, you know, acquired Ryan Reeves and some muscle and whatever as a reaction to the Todd Wilson thing and a reaction to needing more toughness in the roster. And so what does that look like? Does that help them or hurt them at the end of the day? Um, so those two teams are really mysteries to me. And then you have two teams that are mysteries in another, another way, which is like, where is the window for the Penguins and the Capitals? Um, the, the Penguins obviously come out of the gate with Sid and Gino hurt. Um, the Capitals come out of the gate. They're going to miss Backstrom, I think, for at least the first 10 games. These are both two teams where we've been waiting to see if the windows are going to close for either of them um, in the near future. And, and they're kind of similar in the sense that they've got some familiar names and some promising players on their roster in front of what I think could be specious goaltending and, you know, uh, everybody's of an advanced age. So it's, it is a cluster behind, I think, the, the Islanders and, and, and the Hurricanes. And then, you know, the X factor would be if the Devils, are a year ahead of time, then they could be quite good. But I still think that they need another year before they, some of those young guys they have uh, actualized as offensive players. Well, and hopefully, you know, Mackenzie Backwood isn't voluntarily skipping games at that point. But anyway, uh, <laughs> I, I, I have to say that my, my phrase when I think about, you know, teams collapsing in sports is the Ernest Hemingway quote, how did you go bankrupt gradually then suddenly? Like, we're kind of all wanting to predict when it's going to happen, and you can't predict, but when it happens, the bottom falls out. Sharks-esque. And, I mean, I'm not going to bet against either of them at this point, but I think possibly this is the year one of them misses it. Because I think the Metro is so, the margins are so fine that if Carter Hart looks like Carter Hart, the guy I picked to win the Vezina last year, oops, um, maybe this is the year where that happens. Uh, I wish we could talk for a much longer than we have, but I want to get you out of here on this. Just one story around the league that you're particularly focused on for whatever reason that has you intrigued, that's going to keep you interested throughout the season with all the stories we have. Well, it's, it's an obvious one, but it's the Kraken just because of, you know, one having a new team and, and, and a new market. And that's always very exciting, but you know, the bar being set where it was by the Vegas Golden Knights makes this whole thing a lot more interesting than it normally would be when you have an expansion team coming in. And then the, the way they approach building this team is equally as fascinating because on paper, this could very well be a playoff team. I mean, you know, they don't have a lot of upfront that I love, but, you know, the Golden Knights didn't have a lot of upfront that I love, but they just happen to kind of coalesce and come together and play as a team and, 
and wound up in the playoffs and wound up winning their division. Um, their goaltending is great. They've got some really interesting players on their blue line. I mean, their back end is very strong. Um, but the way that you saw them build this team was so confusing, <laughs> you know, refusing to, to leverage the pressures that they had to acquire draft picks and, and doing all those, those weird things the Kraken did. Um, they're an odd, they're an odd organization, and I am intrigued to see how this all manifests this season for them. Um, because I really don't have any idea. Um, in a in a division that I think is is ripe for the picking for them to be a playoff team, I just don't quite know if they are or not yet. I don't either. And I was explaining that to a friend of mine who's from Seattle that wasn't a particularly big hockey fan. I was explaining this to him like we're all kind of confused as we follow this. Like, what are they doing? We can't quite figure it out. Now, on the other hand, he's just happy that they have a team, and I'm happy Seattle has a team. By the way, I'm going to say something I've wanted to say for an outdoor game for years. Canucks, Kraken at Lumen Field, I almost called it CenturyLink. They have to do that at some point. They have to. It would be absolutely epic. And I say this as somebody who's followed that the soccer rivalries in that area. It it would be just great. Again, wish I wish we could spend more time together. We will at some point. It's amazing. I'm happy that you get to cover as a rights holder. It'll be fun to hear the hockey theme again at ESPN, and it'll be fun <laughs> to, and it will be fun to, uh, yeah, we'll be spending a lot of time with you this year, and I'm looking forward to it. Again, thank you so much for coming on and giving us some of your time. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Take care.